welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast with me, Bill Betts, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. This podcast is sponsored by LowPay, the low-rate payment app that gives you more. So without further ado, let's get going. Here we are, we're live. And welcome. Welcome, everyone. And uh, a massive welcome to Jason Greystone. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us on. No, thank you for coming on. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, yourself and what you do and how you do it. Um, but um, predominantly, uh, obviously, you're not a pet groomer. And some people might think, well, what's, what's this uh, channel all about pet grooming and the business of pet grooming? But actually, um, you're into wealth creation. And everyone here, everyone in the group and um, that are in the group pretty much have businesses. And the reason why we have businesses is to create wealth. So I thought it would be a, a fantastic fit to have you on, on here and uh, have a chat to us about wealth creation, your own story, your own journey, and then purpose. Because I know you really love um, digging into like our what our purpose is in life and, and helping us with that. Sure. Yeah, so, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about um, your background and how you've, how you've ended up in this position. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I need to cut a really, really long story because I'm 41 this, uh, this month. Um, sure. So I grew up on a, from a working class family. Dad left before I was born. We uh, grew up on a council estate in South London and, um, I I was always kind of interested in I was interested in in taking a different path from most of the people on the estate um from a kid you know I remember I used to question things certain things like why everyone had such a downer on money and then they would do a syndicate lottery on a Friday night and that that used to confuse me and I used to remember thinking that you know something isn't right uh, I remember doing a car wash around the summertime when I was just turning 14 to get a BMX. And I remember um, getting a lot of my friends working for me around the car wash and being able to realize that actually by the end of that, by the end of that summer, I wasn't even washing cars, but I was going to knock on doors and, and get people booked in and all my friends were washing the cars and I had enough for my BMX. And, uh, and I remember having this kind of moment where I thought, wow, you know, perhaps these people are unhappy because of how they use money or how they, interact with money or how they earn money. And I thought money's amazing because it can actually provide you with free time. And I'm focusing on just doing the bits that I like. I'm not doing the wheels because I started off like not doing the wheels. And then, and that was the first thing that I delegated. I was like, right, you do the wheels. And then, and then I said, and then what, what's the next bit that I hate? And they were like, and I thought, well, yeah, I hate doing like the windscreen. And then I stopped doing the windscreen and eventually I wasn't doing anything. So it really, it, it opened my eyes to you can focus on doing more of what you like because yeah. at the end of it, if it was just me doing the polishing and the finishing touches, I would have been happy with that. And that would have been the bit I like, and I could have actually done that. So yeah, it really opened my eyes. And then um, I kind of took that away into the world of business and into the world of employment where I, um, I became an engineer. I wanted to be a fireman. Uh, I, I, my plan was to be an electrician on my days off. So I qualified as an electrician and then I, um, Typical you know, fireman, going, fireman electrician. <laughs> yeah, fireman electrician. I'm sure that's a common, um, common yeah. combination. It's either a black taxi cab driver or a, or, or electrician, right? Yeah. So uh, I was going to be one of those. And um, 
anyway, it was hard to get into the fire brigade back then. I was like, I don't know if they were looking for a certain type of fit or what, but I was, you know, I got to interview stage a few times and by the time they actually let me in, I was earning more money. It didn't make sense to do it. So I just thought, right, I'm going to go all in on electrical engineering, start a little business of my own. <clears throat> and then that I was only like 22 um, at that time. And then I found out I was going to have our first baby. And then that was a real rocket up the Jaxi, you know, it was uh <laughs> I always had this plan. I, I wanted to be in this perfect scenario, perfect situation before we had a baby. And that was never, you know, I was never in that spot right then. And, and I remember thinking, I do not want this baby. I don't know what, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm a kid myself. Yeah. Um, and I kept like, I, I was saving some money and saving some money. And then I just thought, right, I've got to put a plan in place here. And um, that was it. I basically went to, this is where it all started, really. I went to PC World um, in 2001 or 2002, and I bought a Hewlett Packard PC with Microsoft Money. And uh, and I installed Microsoft Money, which was basically Excel with a flash kind of did some nice charts and things like that. And I remember putting in some figures and trying to figure out how I could, like, if I had this lump of money, what would I what return would I need on that money to replace my income? And that was literally where I started. And then I thought, well, okay, what if I tweak this? What if I tweak that? What if I invest more? What if I save more? What if I, um, you know, what if I can better my returns on certain investments? What, what if I put my money to work elsewhere? And, and I started going down this rabbit hole to the point where Microsoft money wasn't even providing me with the, with the figures that I needed. So I developed my own spreadsheet and I developed my own formulas and I became obsessed. I realized that if I save 10% of my income and invest it at X amount per year, I could replace my income in 20 years and all this kind of thing. And um, and then I was just obsessed with getting that figure down and down and down. And and literally it was the birth of my son that that drove that. And mm. uh and since then, well, from that point on, I had this plan to basically grow my income, invest more, better my returns, and basically ease my way out of an active income where I didn't have to rely on anyone. And it took me uh, from age 22 to 29. So at 29, I woke up one day and I didn't have to, I didn't have to work for anyone or rely on anyone or have to go to any geographical location or exchange my time for money. And um, that was a, that was a, that was the liberating, you know, that was a, a very inspirational moment in my, in my yeah. life. And um, after that, I started spending time around a lot of entrepreneurs because I had a lot of free time. Um, I was doing everything from investing in stocks, investing in index funds to tr full-blown trading the financial markets quite passively, albeit. And um, I'd had a lot of spare time. So I started hanging around, doing some networking, doing some kind of, you know, going up to London and spending time around entrepreneurs and stuff like that. And uh, I was just talking to a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, funnily enough, just like the people in this group. And they would be very interested in what I was doing. And, and bearing in mind, I'd done it all. And I, like, I was, that was 10 years later. And I, and I remember thinking, they've got all these exciting businesses going on. You know, why are they interested in just sitting at home? Like, what, what? And um, there was one of my mentors who I had lunch with one day. I said, why, do they, why are they so interested in what I do? And he said, they just want the, the choice. They want the time. They want something. They want to be able to wake up and choose whether or not to spend time on their business or not. So 
I started asking them questions. I started saying, well, you know, how do you manage your finances? How do you, you know, how much savings do you have? What do you do with your money? And how do you manage your business income and all this kind of stuff? And, and I, I got a ton of insights on you know, a real shit show of, uh, of, yeah. of how they were running their business <laughs> and how they were running their finances. And I, and I basically started pitching this idea. Um, I started looking at what I did and I started pitching this idea of a program that exists, you know, make believe program based on what I'd done. And I, and I talk about it in a way where it really did exist and they would, their eyes would light up. And I thought, well, there's a demand, you know, there's, there's definitely a demand there. So I sat down one summer and developed a, a program based on what I did. And, uh, and the rest is history. That's it. That was the tears of freedom program. And and now um, I, I spend my days teaching people those strategies, you know, exactly what I did from, yeah. from investing your money and managing your money right through to like income growth strategies, business, how to set up uh, your finances in business the right way. This podcast is sponsored by Lowpay. Lowpay is half the price of SumUp and Zettel, so you keep more of the money that you earn. Rates start at 0.79%. But it, it, it goes a lot deeper in that as well, isn't it, with like your goals and your purpose, and perhaps we'll talk about that uh, in a bit. But I was just picking out some words and, and some things that I, from what you were saying, and uh, I think from a very young age, you know, you're scaling, you, you scaled that um, car wash business, didn't you, <laughs> to, to sort of MD, and then you had all your little employees underneath you kind of thing. Yes. But I yeah. get from you that you were very observant. You know, you you take you took in a lot of what was going on around you and just absorbed that, and just went, "No, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be like those kids on the on in in the uh, estates. I don't want to have that money mindset." You kind of observe what was going on, didn't you? Yeah, but with, with me, a lot of people think about freedom as uh, financial, whereas I always saw freedom as choice, and it was basically a choice to do what you want to do because we're going to do stuff till we die. Right. And I always saw this. We're always going to do stuff. We're always going to be doing something. If you think you're just going to sit there and rot one day, you know, you, you, that's a, that's a fantasy. That's a bizarre kind of warped um, idea. We're always going to be doing stuff. So if you can just be paid for doing something you like and Mm. cover, cover your living costs and cover your experiences that you want, that is freedom, right? That is, you can choose what you do. You don't let anyone dictate your your actions and decisions and you end up in life where you've choose to end up and not where someone's put you like you should be a doctor, should be a lawyer, should be, you know, should, 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 should. And you follow that path and you end up having a midlife crisis or you, you, you realize at 38 years old, actually, I wish I had always done that. And then you try and learn it at night and reverse engineer your life back to what you should have done in the first place. You know, all those kind of things. I, I never had that. I was always very mentally free. So you could, and my son's the same, my youngest son, you can tell, you can say what you like at him or me and it's water off a duck's back. You know, I'm not going to listen unless it, unless I, I'm not going to take that opinion in and and let it affect me or let me do it or, or change my direction, my, my course. So I was always mentally free. And then I had this idea that actually it really is just about doing more of what I love. So when I said about, I didn't want to clean the wheels anymore, and then I didn't want to clean the windscreen anymore. And if I could just choose one thing of that car wash, it would just be polishing like the final touches, you know, the, the, the wing mirrors and the, the number plate and like, you know, that getting the credit for like the final touches. Um, I started applying that to literally everything. If I wanted to be free, I didn't really want to think about the finances. What I wanted to think about was 
I need to do more of what I wake up and want to do and less of the clicky, clicky, mundane crap that, that anyone can do. Mm. So ultimately, I became a master of delegation. And I would, uh, and even at the car wash, you know, delegate, delegate, delegate until you're free. Um, I took it a step further with the car wash because I, I was literally just knocking on doors, but I could have taken it a step further yeah. on that and not even and done that, gone. right? And got someone <laughs> to knock at the doors. <laughs> but but that's, that's how you want to be thinking. Because if you want to be free, free is choice to do what you want to do. And you don't want to do your emails. You don't want to do your, um, you know, gardening or you, you might want to do your gardening. But, you know, for me, all the things I don't want to do, freedom is not doing those, right? Mm. So it's like, how can I not do that? How can I not do that? And then how much do I need to not do that? And then it's like, you work, to, you move towards freedom the more you delegate. And everyone always asks me, like, what's the number one thing, um, the most important kind of component or trait or anything to have in order to become wealthy or financially free? And I always say, it's having a strong purpose and having a, you know, a big cause um, and aligning literally your purpose is all those things you want to do. If you could do one thing every day, what would that be? That's the purpose. And, and then delegation is the second thing because you have to delegate everything until you can just do that one thing. Hmm. And when you do that and you get to that position, you are free and totally free, 100% free because the finances would have been sorted out as a byproduct, like everything you, you, just by, you know, by the fact that you can do whatever you want all day, that's freedom, no matter how much money you're bringing in. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. So it's it's kind of a mind shift. It's like, wow, freedom's about time and choice rather than uh, money. You know, yeah. the money is just there to underpin or or the money's there to just, you know, if you want, if you, if you wanted to stop for whatever reason, you can. And that's like supreme freedom. But the chances are, if you're doing what you love every day, you don't want to stop. I was talking. I was talking to a, um, a someone, one of my clients who's a pet groomer, and um, she has children that are school age, and she's saying how uh, you know August is a nightmare. You know, juggling school holidays and work, and and I was like, well, you know, why don't you plan next year to have August off? And she was like, I can't do that. I yeah. can't have August off. I was like, yeah, why can't you have it exactly. Off? Why not? So a, lot, a lot of people. A lot of people do that, though, right? They they let life happen to them and yeah. they try and fit in their purpose around other stuff that comes up. But one of my mentors said, if you don't um, fill your day with actions and like priorities that are meaningful to you, it will be filled with actions and priorities of others. Yeah. And it's so true. You know, if you leave your calendar open and someone rings you and says, you want to go for this or can you help me do that? You'll, you'll go and do it because you, you can't, you need to say no, you know, you need to have a, a strong, like, you just need to be able to say no. Like that is so, it seems so easy, but, but it's Lots not people struggle with so it. difficult. Yeah. A lot of people struggle with the word no, uh, it, you know, onto the base level of, a, a, you know, a lot of people squeeze like appointments into their diary and squeeze dogs into their diary. One, because they don't, quite have a handle on their figures like you were saying about the you know the money and knowing what their, their business is doing so like i must i must get more money in so they squeeze those dogs in to make more money but actually yeah. it could sometimes give a, a worse customer service experience isn't it because you're like squeezing Absolutely. the animals in but um yeah 
but, but yeah, you're right. Most, it's- most business owners, they look at, they start a business, they look around at what's the going rate. They undercut it a little bit to, mm. uh, to, to be competitive. And then they do, they offer a bit more to, to seem like they're adding more. So they're doing more for less money. Yeah. And, uh, and, and they are stressed as hell. You know, that's a recipe. It's a race to the bottom, as they say. That's it. And I was working with a lady today who um, she she runs um, educational assessments for people with dyslexia. And she's like, well, you know, I want to be the same. I don't want to outprice myself in the market. And I was like, you'll never, you know, if you go to your competition, how long do you have to wait? Well, probably about three months for a report. Well, if you're more expensive, you can do it there and then and sell it. You know, it's just yeah. like. Why be like your competitors? Be better I, I, and charge more. I, I totally agree, mate. I totally agree. And I had a question about this the other day, actually, and they said, um, "You know, who are your competitors?" Or don't you worry about? The, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you one if I've got a competitor. Two, who they are. Three, what they charge. Four, like what they offer. Like I, I just don't know who they are. I don't know if there is any and that's a really important part of the way that I set up businesses. Actually it's um, instead of having competition, put position yourself. So there is no competition. And what I mean by that is there's no one, no one can compare your services to anyone else. So you make it very, very confusing to, to be compared with anyone else. And the, and the example that I, I gave the other day was talking about babysitting. And uh, it was like, Jenny's the babysitter and she's going to do babysitting after school and she's going to charge five pounds an hour because that's the going rate. Right. And, you know, six hours, that's 30 quid. She goes, she, she goes, out. when I think about starting a business, what I think about is not just the problems that I can solve as a result of buying my product or having my service. I also think about the problems that people have with the product. So, um, for example, when you go to the barbers or you go to get your hair cut, one thing I ha- I can go to the barbers and get my hair cut and they've solved, they've done their job, right? I've paid them for the haircut and they've solved my hair problem. But I hate going to the barbers because of the itchy neck. I hate going to the barbers because the music's a little bit loud. I hate going to the mar- barbers because they kind of mouth off some of them about what they got up to at the weekend. And I'm in front of my kids and they're talking about drugs and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, and this is typically what barbers <laughs> like. And, um, so there's things that people don't like about doing your product. And I think not a lot of business owners think about that. So going back to the babysitting example, let's just say that Sarah wanted to do babysitting. What I would, the way that I would set up a babysitting service is to not have competition with Jenny. And the way that I would do that is I would think about all the problems that people have with babysitting. And that might be, you know, the kids that they trash the house because it's not their house and they don't care. They just let the kids do whatever they want. The kids don't eat a healthy dinner. The kids, you know, are still awake when they get back, when they're a bit tanked up and and then they've got to drop the babysitter home and all the, all these things that you hate. Right. So Sarah comes up with the totally stress-free babysitting service subline so you can enjoy the little time you have together. <laughs> and what Sarah does is she does the babysitting service, which is a going rate of five pounds an hour, 60 pounds value. She does the cooking, the cleaning, 
So the cleaning, 60 quid, the cooking, healthy meal for 40 quid. She then does creative time with the kids and produces a collage because they're not allowed technology. And she does this little booklet while she's there as a memory. That's worth 150 quid. And then she does Uber service home where she gets a taxi home, but she doesn't charge 30 quid. She charges 100 quid. And to every one of those solutions, she gives a special name like, you know, my spick and span service, my thingy service, my Uber service, blah, 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 blah. Um, so you can't confuse, there's no comparison between her and Jenny. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's literally no competition. It's it's a completely different market. And who do you want? You want Sarah or Jenny? Well, obviously I'll pay a hundred pounds to Sarah rather than 30 pounds to Jenny. So that's generally what I tend to do in my business. I, I think of every problem that I, that, that someone will have that they need me to provide them a a solution with. And then I think of every problem with my product, uh, every pain they're going to have along the way and give that a solution. And then I stack up the value and I say, it's 10 times the amount of what you pay the going rate, but that's it. You know, it's still 10 times cheaper than the value that you're getting. Yeah. And uh, when you do that, there's, there's not a lot of competition. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's the value that you're adding to that to that product and that, that customer. So the Mary Poppins of babysitting, the Mary Poppins product that you've just described there, you know, outweighs the the bog standard babysitter. It's non. It's not even comparable. You know, it's, yeah. it's just there's no there's no confusion. And uh, and one of the things we like to do as well is just to like ask ourselves what else could we do? Like if we were being paid a hundred grand for the babysitting service what else would we do? And uh, it's a fun exercise. You know, it's a fun exercise to sit there and go, right, I would, you know, I would do some crazy stuff. Like if I was paid a hundred grand to do some education on stock investing, I might go to their house personally and maybe I can't do that. So instead of doing that, I would try and get as close to that as possible. So it's like my fireside chat. So give them a USB stick. They put it in, they have to put it on their TV in their living room. We sit there in their living room and they pause, you know, try and think how you can get as close to the, the best way. To, the best person that I heard say this was the guy that created Airbnb. And what he said was he, you do things that are not scalable and then you make them scalable. And I think that is, the, that's the way you're going to create the, the most remarkable business by doing things that are ridiculous. Like you wouldn't think that you could scale and then you get creative on how to provide those experiences, but not by doing the crazy stuff, you know, not getting on a plane. Um, and, and yeah, it, it's fun and it makes business fun. And it also, again, there's no competition, zero competition. I don't, I don't have competition. I mean, you scaled the car washing before the car washes became popular. <laughs> Even then, right. I remember going, I remember one of the things that I made my dad buy from Safeway was a squeegee. And there was no kid washing a car with a squeegee back then, right? They had a what a buck. And I remember saying, "Our USP is we squeegee all the windows." I remember saying that, like, and it, and it, even back then. So uh, where again, did you get where did you get this sort of um, this focus and um, you know attention to detail and that entrepreneurial sort of thinking from at the age of thirteen? Were you reading books or you know? I don't know. Where, I, where I think um, I think it's two things. One. Um, I believe that our values stem from voids as child, as mm-hmm. a child. So uh, your character's developed by the time you're seven years old and whatever you perceive to be your biggest void at seven years old 
or through up naught to seven years old will become your biggest value. So for me, it was security. My dad had left. We had bailiffs knocking on the door, had no, you know, father figure. Um, I used to get looked after by gangsters when my mom went to work and, you know, a big gangster family was, you know, Joey Pyle was like Ronnie Cray's best man. And, and you know, I was surrounded. I remember thinking, I just want stability. You know, I was, I was petrified most of my childhood uh, from up to seven years old. And, um, and that made me crave security to this day. I don't like losing things. I don't like not knowing where my family are. You know, I value financial security. Um, and that has been a big part of my life. So that's one thing. And then the other side, I don't know if this is hereditary or what, but my dad, my real biological father was a, uh, was a criminal. <laughs> and, um, what he did is he started a car wash, not a car wash, a window cleaning company. Mm. And he only employed heroin addicts and he used to make them steal jewelry from the houses, give it to him like some modern day Fagan. Yeah. And he would then like provide them with their fix. So he wouldn't pay them in cash. You give them drugs and, yeah. uh, and he was raking it, you know, he was raking it in and then he got shot and put in a secret location and all this <laughs> terrible stuff. Uh, but I think he was, he had a force, but he used it for bad. And I think he was quite entrepreneurial and maybe that rubbed off a little bit. Not that I ever saw him, you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't really, I met him when I was 13 to see what he was like. I thought he was a bit of a, a dick and um, didn't bother again, but he had left, you know, he'd knocked someone else up by the time I was six months old. So uh, I'll, I'll be yeah. honest, you know, having been in the police for 19 years and dealing with these um, kind of people, many many criminals are actually quite entrepreneurial. Very. They put their hand, they put their heads to it, and they just do it in the wrong way. Really, absolutely. Yeah. Because they're driven, and they're driven, and they're focused, and they're they're really driven by money, aren't they? A lot. Yeah, they can manage teams. They can do the numbers. Mm. Like they honestly, you drug dealers know the maths. Yeah, they're better at maths than me. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, going back to the. the the stuff I've written down whilst listening to you, you know, your the focus and then and then the planning as well. The planning, the detail, the devil is in the detail, isn't it? The amount of planning that you did around your your finances and how to how to break free, how to make that that happen. Yeah, well, one of the things. I mean, a lot of when when a lot of people have this perception of me being uh, quite focused. Um, recently, I've I've been asking people why they think that is because I. I don't know. I, I don't have that level of self-awareness that, I've, that I think I'm, I don't know why people think I'm so focused. I'm interested to hear what other people, why they think I'm focused. And the answers that I've been getting is uh, you get, get stuff done. And yeah, um, yeah obviously that's a, a result of, of being focused, but the focus primarily comes from having a clear objective. And that's always been, even with the amount of money I needed to become financially free to replace my income at certain return per year, et cetera, et cetera. It was something that couldn't lie. It was a, a tangible goal, you know, a measurable goal. And I could measure every step along the way. So again, that very much rolled into business. It's, it's like even my son, my eldest son, who's starting a business, um, we know it, we've already run the numbers before we've considered opening a place for him because it's like, right, you need to do, this two and a half times this to break even. And then, uh, and, and when you know the numbers, it gives you supreme confidence in, you know, this is the plan. You just got to knock the plan out of the park with business owners today. What I see a lot of, 
and I know this has probably gone on since the beginning of time, is it becomes a little bit ego driven where they're just, it's like, you make lovely sandwiches. Yeah. I'd love to own a sandwich shop. Yeah. You should open a sandwich shop and they open a sandwich shop with no thought about business. Right. And then they go, yeah, I'm going to open a business shop. And then they get in this, I've got to make money doing this. I've got to make a profit. And it's like, have you even weighed up that even if you get like, let's count the amount of people in this town, 66,000 people. Okay. How many people go to lunch break and go in your thing? Okay. You might get a hundred people a day. Okay. What's that equate to? Uh, well, after I paid for all the sandwiches and all the fillings and the cleaning and the electricity and the rent and all this kind of thing, I'll probably take home about 70 quid a day. Okay. You got to do that six days a week because Saturdays you've got to be in there as well. And the ultimate question is, would you like to be in a sandwich shop all day, six days a week for 70 quid a day? And for some people that's fine. And they'll go, yeah, that would be my dream. And that's amazing. Definitely. You should go and do that. But for most people, it's like, Oh God, this just ain't working out. You know, I'm doing 70 quid a day. That's all I'm taking home and I'm doing this and that and the other, you know? And it's like, well, did you ever consider what the end game would look like? Well, no, no. And I I actually put a very similar post into my uh, Facebook page today saying, you know, people invest in themselves. They invest in their training. They learn to become dog groomers. They maybe they pick up more courses. I see a lot of people like doing extra CPD, extra courses, but they've had no business training. And it's like, no, how much is that costing you? You know, you've invested like five, maybe 10,000 pounds to set up a shop set up a salon with all the equipment, but how much is it costing you for not actually getting any business training to, to make sure this all works? I know. And, <laughs> and that's another thing. They, they, they think because they don't value their time or they haven't put a value on their time, they think that it's cheaper or free. But I promise you, the opportunity cost is, not, is very, very expensive. And uh, I always say pay, like pay for someone who can tell you how to do it straight away um, because even if you outlay that money and it sets you back two years, you're going to make more money quicker still. You know, you yeah. really will make money quicker still because you're bypassing all of that learning curve. And, and it takes literally it takes three times as long minimum if you're going to go and figure it out on your own. So yeah. you're talking like six years of, of setback. Uh, and by that time, you know, five years, you could make a million quid you know six years you can make a million so it's like uh, yeah it's very hard for people to see that until they've done it and um one of the things that i did early on was set an allocation for self-development of 10 percent. 10 percent of my income went to self-development and the reason i did that is because i figured out that microsoft johnson and johnson um amazon Amazon. Yeah. This, I mean, this was, this is like before I was even looking at Amazon, but, but they were basically putting 10%, nine and a half percent into R and D. And I thought, Oh, that's an interest. Why are, why nine and a half percent? And I started doing some digging and I thought, and and I realized that that was the optimum amount that they knew that was going to provide a return on, on growth for the business. And I thought, well, if the brightest minds in the world are doing that in the best companies in the world, I'm going to do it. So I just started putting 10%. 10% 10% and I'd rack up like some money into a, an account and I'd have to go and spend that on development. And that's why I started hanging around with the entrepreneurs and doing all the accelerators and doing all these networking. And every now and then it would rack up and it, whether it was books or courses or webinars or masterminds. And, you know, sometimes it would rack up to like 
five grand and I'd be like, all right, I've got to find something to spend five grand on. I'd go and spend five grand and I'd have to spend it because I knew it can, it was frightening at first. It's like intangible, but when you start seeing the income grow from that, it's aggressive. You know, it's really aggressive. You're picking up strategies and picking the minds of people who, who have done it. And yeah. why so, wouldn't you want to do that? So, yeah, I mean, I, so when I, when I was just leaving the police, I found, um, you know, we both know Alex, Alex Siri, found his company. He he works with police officers. Uh, and I went to one of his Alex days. Alex is a great guy. Yeah. One of my favourite human beings. <laughs> and um, I sort of went home. I went and saw his, his day and I went home and sort of nervously said to my wife, you know, he's offering this chance to, to help us in business, but it's going to be like £3,000 or, or something like that. And I was like, oh, what do you think? And Emma, Emma was like, why are you even asking, you know, 3000 pounds, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's yeah. get some help in our business. Let's get someone that um, runs businesses and knows businesses. Let's do it. And our turnover then was like a hundred and I don't know, about 125 grand. Uh, and this year we're looking at, so two years in 3000 pound investment, we're looking at like 250 grand turnover. I myself right. have gone like 85 grand turnover. What kind of return on investment is that? I know. And and the thing is, it's once you do that, you do more and more because you get the confidence, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. right, I'm gonna do more of that. Yeah. You know, so then become this serial buyer of of <laughs> of uh, of mentorship. I've tried not to, but obviously then I am um, yeah, through Alex I've, I then came across you and invested in your Tears of Freedom program, which then got me into investing. So now I'm making money in the markets. So again, it's just that investment, isn't it? And yeah. you spent, you know, 10, 12 years learning to do investment and trading and stuff. I don't need to yeah. spend that time because exactly I've worked out I've spent about three hundred and five grand on on mentorships, programs, books, masterminds you know, coaching, um, accelerators. Yeah. So, but, but I mean, I, I attended a webinar once and it cost me 250 quid. I generated about 600 grand over the years from that one idea that I got from a 250 quid webinar. Yeah. So it's, you can't put, you really can't put value on it. Like you can't put figures on it. That's it. You know, learn from people that have done that, been there, made those mistakes, and then absolutely can push you through it. It's brilliant. And even if you went and saw that two hundred and fifty pound webinar each time, you probably still learn something different as well. You still, you? still get yeah, absolutely. There's certain books like I read over and over and over again. Like I study them because every time I get new ideas. Yeah. So uh, I love this quote of yours, um, which was I, I heard again today. It's like follow the masters, not the masses. <laughs> yeah. You know, and learn learn from the masters, not from the masses as well, I suppose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Look at what everyone else is doing and do the opposite. <laughs> you'll, you'll be halfway there. You'll be, yeah, you'll be 80% of the way there. Uh, I think quite a lot of um, people, and um, I've worked with um, Fanny Snaith with this and done a similar podcast as well, it, is a lot of it is like that money mindset that we have, isn't it? And you, you talked about having savings, but... That's kind of like not a dirty word at these times, but we're kind of taught not to save anymore, don't we? It's all credit and loans and and you know stuff like that. Well, everyone says that cash is you know it's a waste of money having cash. I mean, I get told this all the day, oh, all the time. I have it, yeah, but cash. I feel like it's a lot of money to be sitting in my bank. I should be doing more with it. Well, okay. How much have you got saved? Well, nothing. Well, what you you know save with saving. The thing with saving. The worst that could happen is you're going to have the money still, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and I know it's like a silly thing to say, but 
that's the worst that can happen. And the the most people who save saves most people who save in the UK have got like I think it's like fifteen hundred quid in their bank, right? If you just save five pounds a day, you'll have eighteen hundred and twenty-five pounds in your bank at the end of the year. If you just did that, you're going to be richer than most people that save in the UK. That is the facts. Like that is the facts. So whether you think that you should, oh yeah, but I don't want to just save money. I want to put it into something that well, if you just save, you'll be richer than what you try and find out where you're going to put your money. You know, it just blows my mind. There is there is a guaranteed immediate return on investment by having money saved. It changes your mind. It changes the way you see things. It changes the way you talk to people. It changes the way that you approach your clients. It changes the way that you um, react to your clients querying your invoice. It change it. You see opportunities when you've had your head buried before. Um, you you talk to your partner different. Your kids different. Your colleagues different. Your boss different. Everything changes. You've got a, an immediate return on investment by having some cash saved in the bank because yeah, if all else fails you 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 can breathe and uh and and that is a freedom of choice again you know it's still okay well i haven't got to be on this treadmill i can have a little bit of a breather and think when the shit hits the fan what am i going to do next yeah i don't have to worry about that you know squeezing that extra people in i could say yeah. no i can say no to people i can say just- no exactly and that yeah i can say no because I've got people, I've got money in the bank, and I was t- talking to um, someone today about this. It's like you, those sales conversations become so much easier when you've got a bit of money behind you. Because it's not like, oh, please, I really need your money. It's like you know, you can actually talk to them, have a conversation, Whatever, yeah. yeah, and uh, and be happy with the the outcome if it's a no or a yes. Absolutely, it's not. Uh, people smell desperation, and it definitely doesn't help with sales. Uh, yeah. it, it really doesn't. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. So I'm going to go on to something um, that you said on one of your podcasts, and it was quite scary. And uh, I think something like we've got 40 Christmases left. <laughs> you That's know, scary, isn't it? <laughs> you, you, I was, I think I was walking around Tesco's at the time doing my shopping, and you, you did this podcast about how much time we got left, and you just put it out there quite blunt. You know, I want to live till I'm like 80, so I've got 39 Christmases left. And you're like, shit, yeah. 39 summers. 39 summers, Some yeah. people, there's 39 different places to travel. Yeah. So I thought that ties it into sort of our purpose, doesn't it? And rethinking about why we're doing what we're doing, what our purpose is. And um, you you put quite a lot of effort and time into these modules when you, when you do your programs, all about purpose and goals. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about how you sort of discovered this and um, why it's so important to you. I think when you can... Um when you when you try to earn money for the sake of earning money um you don't really there's not enough drive there or intrinsic motivation or fulfillment to actually achieve this kind of ideal in your head because as you get towards earning that money you realize that it's not fulfilling that that you need a reason to want to earn that money um and and you know, whether it's whatever business you're running, whatever business you're starting, you, we're all in it for money, okay? But ultimately, your income is directly correlated to outcome, output, and what you give and what, you know, how you can help someone. Because ultimately, there's 
one there's literally we are the only there's one way to get money right and that is from other humans we're the only people that use money so we're the only to get money you have to take it from another human being there's two ways to get it from another human being one is to serve them and give them something in fair usage so that they pay you and it's a it's a fair exchange or the other way is you agree to take part in a skill zero sum where there's going to be a winner and a loser, like a, a sport or a trading or whatever it might be a poker and you beat them and you take the money from them fair and square. The most what I've found from doing both is when you go too far one way into the zero sum and you're trading and you're investing and you're literally beating the market and you are just bringing in money for the sake of bringing in money, there's no fulfillment whatsoever. The only way that we get fulfillment is by helping someone, a feeling of service for someone. That's the only way we're fulfilled. And, and one of our basic human needs is fulfillment. We want to feel meaning. We want to feel like we're up to something and we're, we've, we, you know, want to make someone happy. We want to make, we've, we've got that inside of us. Right. So the only way you do that is by serving someone in some way. Now, you can use the money from your zero sum to put into a charity or whatever, where you help the community or help, you know, something towards your favorite cause. And that's great. You could do it that way. Um, but I've found the, the most fulfillment comes from service, you know, really, really helping people. And, and, and the way you do that best is to help people with something that you love something that you really, really love. Because if you, if you got into selling cars and you don't really, you just got into it because your dad got you a job on a Saturday and then it, you only stayed for two weeks and then it turned into 20 years in a car showroom, you know, you will be making money and yes, you'll be getting commissions, but you'll go home at night and want to watch, you know, get away from it all. And you want to go down the pub and do, get away from the business and everything what's much more rewarding and fulfilling is to make your vocation your life so that you are then getting paid to live. And the way you do that is by waking up every day and thinking, how can I serve someone in a way that if I didn't have to serve someone, I would spend my days anyway. And, and that when you can put yourself in that position, it's very powerful. It, it, you know, you're really a dangerous human being because you're like, right i'm i'm choosing what i do i can serve people and make money doing this as well they're getting a great result i'm fulfilled they're thanking me for working with me and to, in my honest like maybe it's just my opinion but it's the best feeling in the world it really is the best feeling in the world when you can wake up and choose what you do love what you do be paid for what you do and get a ton of testimonials is there's no better position you know there really isn't and and i think the only people that don't believe that that's the case it are the people that hate their job. Yeah. You know, the, the, the amount of people that have said to me, why, if you don't need to work, why don't you just go and, you know, sip cocktails or whatever? Well, you know, you can, I've done that for, a, you know, for a few weeks and it's that I could pro I'm more stressed doing that than I am waking up building products and services. Yeah. And you, uh, you only need to follow you and your, your channels, your podcast, your YouTube and everything, you know, you're someone that you don't need to do any of this, do you? You just, no, no you just no. don't need to do any of this, but you're like, we were discussing before we did start this chat, you know, you're so prolific with the, the help that you give to people because that's your fulfillment, isn't it? And people sort of yeah. say, well, you know, I want to be a millionaire. I want to be a millionaire. And you sort of say, well, you could be a, a millionaire through your house, but it still doesn't make you happy, does it? It still doesn't. 
exactly that. I, 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 one question that I think a lot of people don't really ask themselves or ponder on is like, if you could just wake up on Monday and money was not an issue, right? And you had a hundred million in the bank, right? What would you do? And that question is like, a lot of people immediately think, oh yeah, well, I'd retire and I would just, yeah, but what would you do? You know, you'd, you'd be doing something, right? Uh, what is that? What would you choose to do? Oh, well, I'd go to the Caribbean for, okay, for how long? You know, how long will that last? When will you get back? You know, it'd be a bit too hot there. Um, they have storms. And and then, <laughs> yeah. And then what it boils down to is like, oh, I'd work with animals or oh, I'd, I'd love to go and, you know, I don't know, rescue animals or rescue dogs from China or Japan or, you know, really meaningful things. And then you think, well, imagine if you could get paid for doing that. You know, why don't you just build your life around that now? Mm. And, and it, it's the same as like these, like these YouTubers, they want to get a real job. Well, YouTubers are people who have figured out how to get paid doing what they love every day, which That's is it. business owner's goal. Like, is, <laughs> and it, and it, it, again, it's just a different, different angle, different spin and a different paradigm uh, shift of, of how to look at things. But people really say a lot of stuff and without thinking. And um, sometimes it just pays to sit and think what aligns with me and my values and my purpose. And do I agree with everything that I've been taught and where I am in my life now? Is this where I thought I would be by now? And if not, where did I think I would be? And why am I here? And when you ask yourself those questions, you start realizing, actually, it was because of actions that I took and decisions that I made based on someone else telling me to do something. Because it wouldn't have been your inner desire. If you, if you resent where you are right now, it's not you that's got you there. It's you following the advice of someone who hasn't got the life that you want. Following and, the uh, masses. Following the masses, yeah, not the, the masses. masses. The masses, yeah, absolutely. The masses. Or the, the example I always give is like um, my dad like taught me, he said, right, you're going to learn to drive. And I said, well, yeah, I want to learn to drive quickly. Uh, and he said, well, you're best learning in a manual car because, you know, that's best. And, and I didn't question it, you know. And um, now we're all going to automatic cars. And manual car took me twice as long to pass. I'd, I've driven an automatic car since like 2007 <laughs> and, uh, and it, it didn't pay me at all. And, and the only reason he told me to drive an, a manual car is because he learned in a manual car and there's no other reason. Mm. And it's uh, a lot of people following, just not questioning, you know, and, and that goes on with tons of, we could talk for, yeah. we could talk for days on, on examples of that, but just questioning things and, and going, yeah, but is that best for me? And what I find and, really interesting in your purpose, and it, but also in your story is you you suddenly realize you surround yourself with all these entrepreneurs and uh, that are doing things that you know and you're like, and instead of listening to the masses like we we're saying, like I was talking to a, a lady today who was listening to her husband. I was like, well, is your husband a dog groomer? You know, does your husband run a dog grooming business? Yeah. Well, no, you know, and he's got very sort of a, a low opinion of dog grooming and dog groomers. Like, um, poor sort of money mindset around charging um, time for time for money. So why why listen to that person when you can come come into a program or come into a community and listen to like minded people? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And like you did, absolutely you surrounded yourself absolutely. with entrepreneurs. It's 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 fascinating, but but everyone's got again, everyone's got different perceptions. And um someone said to me the other day that, oh yeah, but nothing's worth charging a uh, hundred grand for or something. And uh, I don't know. I remember, I think it was Gary V or Russell Brunson or one of them. And he, have you heard the thing about the iPhone when he says, I'm going to get a new iPhone. And, and there was like, let's just say, I'd say, I'm going to get a new iPhone next week. Right. And you know how much this thing costs about 900 quid or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I say, would you buy this for 10 grand? And you'd be like, well, no, because you know, you know the value or the perceived value of this. And I say, if I said to you that I think you could buy this for 50 grand in 10 minutes, would you believe me? And you'd probably say no. So then if I said, actually, before I before I transfer my new phone, what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave on this phone 2,000 contacts to people who want to be dog grooming and I'm going to leave on here 200,000 pounds worth of courses in my books that I've taken over the last few years. I'm going to leave on my billionaire friend contacts uh, as well and investors. Um, I'm going to leave on, you know, and at some point you're going to put your hand up and go, that's worth 50 grand. I could bid it off and go yeah. 50 grand, 60 yeah. grand, 100 grand. Cause it's, cause different people are going to perceive that to be worth a hundred grand, even though it's a 900 pound phone. So yeah. The same goes for your products and services. You know, the same goes for your products and services. There are going to be people that are willing, when you stack up the value, there are going to be people willing to pay more. And it's always best to charge more um, than less <laughs> because, <laughs> because you get more wiggle room, you get more breathing room, and you get, you get more, fle- more options. Um, and you can literally charge for the same product. We were just talking about this before we started, right? You could charge a hundred grand or ten grand, and you'd still get buyers. But you just—it's a different—it's a different offer. That's different it. Different market, literally different offer, different market. And that's it. Yeah, and I like the way your approach is always like a fair exchange for because a lot of people say so. You know, we we get brought up on this stuff. Time is money, but you're you you're completely opposite. You're like, no, money buys time. Money's time. Money's time. Yeah, yeah. I always think about money as a way of how much time I can buy. And that, that literally stemmed from when I was 20, 23, I came up with this kind of concept of how much time I could buy into the future. And, and that was it. It was like, well, I've got this much money. My lifestyle costs are this. If I've got five grand in the bank and my lifestyle costs are two grand a month, then I can buy two and a half months in the future. And, and then it was like, well, how can I develop some leveraged income so that that can cover some of my living costs? And I realized that the, the closer or the, you know, as I approximate my living costs with my leveraged income streams, which is like, you know, getting everyone else to do the car wash, uh, <laughs> I was free and, and it's exponential. It goes from five, you know, it goes from five months to 50 months to, you know, 416 years, you know, it, it really does go up in, in an ex- exponential fashion. So I've always thought from that point, time's money. You know, how much time can I buy? Uh, and that that is options and choice and freedom, right? Yeah, and a fair exchange for your time. Yeah, and a fair exchange for my time. Yeah, definitely don't be afraid to to ask. Uh, again, there's uh, there's one thing to be a master of delegation, which I recommend every business owner does, but there's another thing to 
recognize when there's when you're out of kilter with fair exchange. In other words, there's going to be people sponging, people just you're the shoulder to cry on. You need to, you know, as you need to get rid of them. You know, not get rid of them, but you need to balance them out a little bit. You need to just not let them take, take, take. There needs to be something in it for you. Like a long time ago, I stopped lending people money because it's like I'm not a, a bank. You know, I'm not a bank. If you've been turned down by the bank, they're smarter than me. <laughs> so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lend you money. And I realized that lending money literally just deteriorates relationships. So I was like, do you know what? I'll help you um by serving your way out of debt through service and yeah. fair exchange and work. ring me now like extended family members or family members they're like oh sorry i know you're busy you know i know and they're very very respectful of my time even though i'm not busy <laughs> so uh there's other people they might ring up and, and always ask for favors um so i think you want to be in that situation don't the more you let people take the the mick and and take 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 the more resentful you'll become uh, it doesn't matter if you feel like you've got a good heart. That's nothing to do with it. Like, it's just, there has to be fair, has to be fair. You have to be, there has to be something in it for you. Uh, and that's, again, I think a question that people don't ponder on enough. When you get with someone or you get into a marriage, you, the question you're asking yourself in the back of your head is what is in this for me? Because why wouldn't you ask that question? What, what are you doing it for? To be their slave? Like you're asking it, what is in this for me? You know, why is this a good deal for me? You're asking that question subconsciously, whether you believe it or not. And I get a lot of people on TikTok going, no, no, it's romance and all this. It's not romance. Like you're thinking, what is in this for me? Is this a good deal for me? That's what you're thinking. And I don't like doing the, this part of the house. Is that person going to do that for me? And they don't like doing the money or this part of the house. Can I do that for them? And it, and it's this constant subconscious weighing up of fair deals. Win -win. If you just bring it to the front and verbalize it and you tell people, you know what? You're taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> it's liberating. It's liberating. And people respect your time and you feel more free uh, to focus on things that you, you know, that, that are fair. So, yeah. yeah. Loads, loads of tangents. Loads to learn from. We're pressing on with time, but I think it'd be remiss of me if I didn't ask you for like um, after this week of uh, world news and stuff, like like the top tips for surviving the next sort of couple of months. If you've got any, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if the next couple of months will actually affect you or or how how you feel about the economy and stuff. But if you've got any like top tips that you'd share with with our listeners, yeah, sure. Um, so the first one, funnily enough, is around purpose, because uh, I was going to say earlier, I, I was speaking to someone the other day and they're talking about, I want to start a drop shipping company. And I think, you know, do you wake up loving drop shipping? Do you wake up really, really passionate about getting an order sent from Alibaba to someone's address that you don't know? And that is the sort of thing I'm talking about. That is not going to wake you up and energize you and make you feel alive. Drop shipping is not going to make you feel alive. Um, so being really clear about who you are, like honestly, truthfully, don't just say, I want world peace. If you don't care about world peace, <laughs> don't just say, I'd love there to be no harm in the world. You know, really? 
starving kids in Africa. Really? Do you really care about it? Because if you do, great. But if you don't, don't just say it because it's what society expects you to say, right? So ask yourself, right now, what do you spend most of your disposable income on? What do you um, love to talk about? What do you always change the conversation to? If I ask your friends what you always bring up in conversational or what you're most reliable for, what you're known for, what would they tell me? What's the answer that they'd give me? And get really clear about who you are and start getting close to that idea that you can build something that is an extension of you because that's the way that you're going to make the most money in this world. And you start chipping away at that now. But also, as we go into times like this, having a clear vision on on that and just being really clear about that can really give you a clear, uh, give you clarity. It gives you clarity about a lot of things don't matter because this is what matters, right? So that's one little tip. Another tip is having some cash cushions. So cut out your hotspots, you know, get rid of, particularly now, you want to be getting rid of any hotspots, things you don't need things that cost more than you thought coffee you know the gardener what you know the second car all these kind of stuff that you think bloody hell that's a bit more than i thought it was when you look through the bank statements get rid of it now because i worked out that you need about 20 percent more disposable income in the next four months uh to maintain your lifestyle because of the the cost of inflation so if you're not starting doing that now um you know you want to start doing that now um other things Make sure that you are, um, you know, you're taking action and you are moving towards your where you want to be because action kills anxiety. Doing things and progress and ticking off boxes is the best uh, resolution to any anxiety, depression, and, and flipping worry. You know, really just moving forward constantly is is going to help with that. And um, and the last tip is like reach out to people you've got a great community here work together mm. like how can you all help each other how can we like how is their strength in numbers here how come uh, if you've got a business how can you bring someone into your business as a as a partner that will offer a supplementary or complementary service to your service that's non-competitive how are you you know how can you share the share the wealth how can you help people out and how can they help you fair exchange um ask those questions Next thing uh, to do with stock market is don't buy gimmicks, fads, and and you know hype-driven things. Um, don't try to get rich quick. Don't buy into NFTs and crypto and all that kind of stuff because it's just it's not going to serve you well. If you can't, if you are putting all of the money that you need to eat into something that's going up and down by twenty percent every day. Uh, you're not going to have a very nice time. So you want to keep cash stored, just keep your sanity, keep clear about your vision and your goals and, 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 and just keep making progress, like keep hammering away. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that would be my, my best advice that I could give most people right now, depending on where you're at in your journey and your wealth creation journey, then obviously, you know, if you're looking at investing, start with, Start with big, you know, big pools, index funds. Start with large cap stocks, you know, at least. Um, but yeah, that's a whole nother topic. It's a whole, it's a whole new program. It's <laughs> a whole different topic to discuss. Yeah, I, I think um, for some of uh, the community that uh, we have, it's like um, you know, 
take action, like you're saying, take action. So don't bury your head in the sand and really start digging into those numbers, isn't it? You know, how much are you spending in the coffee shop every month? How much are yeah. you spending on this? You know, and, and, well, something that's always sticks in my head that I was always surprised to hear you say is like, inflate your tyres. Inflate your tyres, yeah. <laughs> how simple yeah, is yeah. that? <laughs> it, it Make sure your tyres are inflated because you use more fuel and, and you use considerably a lot more fuel, you know. It's, uh, it's scary. And you don't yeah. want to be using a lot more fuel right now. <laughs> no, that's it. I was just like, why is Jason saying like, just like this basic stuff, like inflate your tires. I thought he'd be like coming out with all this stuff. It's like inflate your tires, make sure they're inflated. It's like incredible. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, action beats anxiety. And um, something else I heard the other one was the other day was plan for the next one. Plan you for know? the next one. Yeah. Don't do this again. Like make sure you learn lessons and, and plan for the next one. I think one of one one of the biggest things that I think is important right now is is people go into procrastination mode, and um, I don't know if any of your guys experience procrastination. I'm sure they do. Mm. And usually, what I've found is it's it kind of boils down. You experience procrastination because of two two main reasons. One is you're trying to do something that you just you don't want to do. So whenever you whenever you're using language like oh, I should be doing that. You know, I should be learning to trade Forex. I should be learning crypto. I should be learning, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, it's normally because you're just looking up to someone and it's not really something you want to do. So the best thing to do is just stop telling yourself you should be doing that and forget it. Mm. Don't do it. Uh, <laughs> f- focus on something you really want to do. Um, the other reason people procrastinate is because of overwhelm. And overwhelm is purely caused by having a goal that isn't broken out into manageable bite-sized pieces. And what happens is if this, you know, if this whole big phone was my goal, somewhere in here, there's going to be a little task that subconsciously I'm trying to avoid, but because I haven't broken that task out and I can't see it for what it is, it's just in this thing. And I will avoid doing this whole thing because there's a little uh, subconscious tasks. I don't want it might be the tax might be a technical thing. that I don't want to do. It might be something, but because it's in there somewhere, I'll just leave it. And the other reason is it's so daunting that size. Whereas if you break this into 150 different to do's, the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time, right? It's just tick, tick, tick. And you just set your site, set yourself. Um, what I like to do is to break it down into seven main like areas and then break each of those down into seven to 10 to do's. And I put a realistic time next to each of those to do's give myself conservative amounts of time. And then I just block out hours in my calendar, like three or three hours a week at different intervals. And then I'll just spend those hours on whatever those to do's are and however many I get through. Great. But at the end of a 90 day period, you might not even have the whole goal done, but you'll be a heck of a lot further than yeah. you did just going, oh, I'll just avoid it, you know? You, you so, make so much more progress, don't you? Those small so much steps. More, and that makes you feel so much better. Yeah. There's, there's no, you know, there's no anxiety. There's no, it's, it's, you're making progress. You feel good. And it's one thing I do on my, on my business program is we sit down on the first Monday of each month and have an accountability call where people pledge to just one or two things that they want to get done in their business and the very reason for that is to start removing that that business overwhelm. <laughs> it's just we can never complete it. 
but don't get overwhelmed by that. You know, just that that's good. Just practice breaking one idea down and getting it done. And, and, mm. you know, you'll see, you'll see massive change in, in your mentality, you know, your mindset and, and your income. Yeah. And just, just on a last note, I, was, I, I got, I had a conversation the other day with someone and uh, what came of the conversation was when you, when your values have been set by voids as a child, it doesn't matter how much like I'm, it's all relative. So even though, yes, technically I don't need to do anything and I'm, and I'll be okay. Um, I'm still hungry for, although I'm not thinking about money for the next year, I'm thinking about, well, what about in 20 years when I run out of money? What about in 30 years when I run out of money? It never goes when mm. it's set in you. It doesn't get easier. It, it gets easier, but it doesn't go. So mm. it, just know that like you are who you are. And I think a lot of liberation comes from just appreciating why you are like you are and understanding why you've got those fears and anxieties and, and just loving them, you know, embracing them because I've got anxiety around money and security and, and I'll, I'll always have that until I die. Yeah. And, and, and people look at me and they go, well, you, you, but you don't need, yeah, I do. You know, I so really do. And, and I'm time. just not thinking about tomorrow. I'm thinking about 10 years or 20 years. Yeah. And it's that time period of naught to seven in your life, isn't it? Where you, you absorb so much, um, so much from your upbringing and uh, cement your values, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't get the challenges never go away, I should say. And uh, it's better to just embrace who you are and understand why you are like you are and love why you are like you are rather than go, why am I like this? Why do I always feel like there's a, you know, the debt man's two, two steps behind me. Why do I feel like someone's knocking at my door all the time? You know, because you do and just enjoy it. And so I suppose this is where it bats against the national lottery, like uh, lottery winners don't always end up happy. They don't end up happy and they don't end up with money. And the reason they don't end up with money is because they haven't asked themselves, like, why am I worthy of this? money and they why and again very like they're not connected to their purpose they don't know why they should have money they don't know what they could do with that money that will serve them and you know so what happens is they get the money and then they try and buy back their friends buy their family i am normal you know <laughs> i am still like you and they give it all away and they try and repel it and they think of ways that they can get rid of it before they've even got it and it's gone just like on the estate when uh, they turn the conversation to how they'd spend the money if they won the lottery after spending the last two hours talking about how bad money was, they then switch the conversation to, oh, if I won the lottery, it'd be this, that, and the other, and they'd be smiling. But they'd spent it in like seconds. It was like, wow, you've just spent like nine million in, in like... <laughs> and they actually do that when they win it. it yeah. It's so funny. And it's all because they haven't said, why am I worthy of this? You know, why am I deserved of this? Why should I be financially free? Um, and interestingly enough, that's kind of an extreme example, but I've seen this happen in business when, when people don't ask themselves that question and they get some success and they get, you know, they start earning some, some money. What happens is people around them, their family start not inviting them to parties or, Oh, they look down on me or, and they, and then they start easing off the accelerator. They got, cause they can't fear, you know, they can't deal with the rejection and the, so they, they like 
ease off and then they start going back to like earning what they earned before. I've seen it happen. Mm. Um, but if they had, they taken the time to go, no, I'm, I'm going after this because of this big cause. This is my purpose. This is why I'm doing it. This is what I want to do. And this is my big plan of what I want to do with this and the difference I want to make in the world. You wouldn't have that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have, you, you wouldn't be in a situation where you take the foot off the gas. So really interesting. I, lo- I love human psychology. I love how it links to money. And I, I just, yeah, I could talk about this for days, but I appreciate we're, uh, we're getting on now. I was warned by a certain Lorna that uh, you love to talk about all this stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. right. I mean, the insights are incredible. And, and I have to thank you for all the, you know, the program that you put together and uh, helping people like myself to sort of get into when, when I, so I did a podcast for you a while ago last year about I, I can't. So when I, when I said to family and friends about investing, they're like, Oh, you know, you know, should you be doing that? It's really risky. You're going to lose your money. And then, but like people like yourself is like, why listen to them? They don't do it. They don't do it themselves. So why, why listen to, so having people like you out there helping us to, to do better, you know, is awesome. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. Perhaps you could just uh, tell the audience, um, you know, you the names of your Facebook groups and, and your program names and everything. They all they have to do is Google your name, but let's just let them know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I normally just ask people to listen to the podcast, you know, it's, it's called always free. And um, if you do decide to listen to that, I would recommend listening from episode one, because that's a, that's, I kind of go through a strategy in order, which I think you'll get the most value from. And then I've got a Facebook group called always free and, you know, you can find me at jasongraystone.com with all the various things that I do and get up to. And just on your comment about risk, I would say if you've got 39 Christmases left, yeah, you know, the risk is not doing, is not taking a risk. You know, that's really the risk. The um, opportunity cost. Yeah, absolutely. The risk is dying or being on a deathbed, not doing the things that you would have loved to have done. That's the risk that you've got. I think that's a great place to leave it. A great place to to let people to sort of think about what we've discussed and uh, and where they want to go in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, it's been uh, incredible to, to speak to you and bring you into the group. Likewise. And have you on the podcast. So uh, thank you very much. Amazing, Bill. Thanks very much. Have a good evening. Take care. Take care. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Please make sure you give us a like or a review to help people find it. The podcast is sponsored by Lowpay. Head over to www.lowpay.com to find out more about their payment solution.